The Story in Your Head, Episode 24, What is Learning? Welcome to The Story in Your Head. I'm Ron Macklin, and today Michelle and I discuss the concept of learning and why we find it so invigorating. We also answer the question as to why there's no such thing as teaching, but rather only creating space for learning. Welcome to the story in your head. I'm Ron Macklin. And I'm Michelle Masago. Today, we want to discuss what it means to learn. Michelle, I know learning can mean different things to different people. So what is learning for you? Yeah, so learning is something that I sort of discovered. So I was in school, right, and had this definition of learning in high school. Then you go to college and you take tests. And if you pass the test, it means you learn something. And where I got my first, like, what truly is learning was with my advanced calculus professor in college. And he was the head of the math department. I went to an engineering school. So it was everything you would picture somebody that's, you know, 150 years old, scrunchy hair, drooled a little, incredibly brilliant. <laughs> and he came into class the first day and he opened the book and said, any, any questions on chapter one? And of course, we're all looking at each other like, what are, you, what are you asking me for, right? You're supposed to be teaching us this class. So we're all looking at each other. And he waits a few minutes and he says, okay, any questions on chapter two? At this point, we're, we're starting to panic a little bit. <laughs> Again, looking at each other, it's like, did he really skip chapter one? He's not going to teach us something on chapter one. Waits a few minutes. He goes, okay. Any questions on chapter three? So at this point, we're in full panic mode and people are just flipping through the book, anything to stop this man from going to chapter four. So a couple of things happened. We were just like throwing almost random questions at him and he started to go through it. And so here's what I learned from that. What he expected was for us to open the book and try things, right? You go through the chapter, you try some stuff, you work through it. And every question he asked was an application of what was being taught. So that was my first introduction to learning because the first thing is to try it, figure out where did you get stuck? Where did you, didn't quite turn out as expected and needed help? And he was fantastic. Now, of course, the class went from 20 to six. So I saw that there definitely was something going on there, but I remember that class and I learned the most there because it was constant experimenting figuring it out and applying it in a way that was practical and real to me. So for me, learning is that whole piece, trying some things, experimenting, getting help, trying it a little bit more and keep experimenting and going through until you get the outcome that you want or, or even the outcome that you're not expecting. That's okay too, because that's a learning experience. So it's a long story, but that was my first experience in learning. Thank you, Michelle. How about you? I can see that. Sorry, you all can't see, but Ron's got the, the furrowed brow look. So I think he's got a question there. No, well, the question is to myself. Like, when did I discover learning? And when did I have a story around learning? And I vividly remember, I think I was in sixth grade, maybe seventh grade, somewhere around there, maybe fifth grade. It's hard to say, but I remember it was that time of life, right? And, and it's the first time I took what was called the Myers Briggs test. 
right? Which some people get later on in life, but I, it was through a church and a friend of a friend and my dad's got it connected up and we took this test. And I was reading about myself, which was kind of odd for like a sixth grader. And one of the things it said was brilliant in exams, right? And I, and I remember looking at that and going like, uh, I don't, I don't think I'm passing this part of the test because that's not, that's not me, right? I, I look at my grades, right? Like, like you know, <laughs> good solid Bs, right? I go, people who would be brilliant in exams would be like people who get straight A's. And I'll go like, no, this is this is not me, right? And my dad turned to me and said, no, you are you are exceptionally brilliant in exams, but don't get that confused with school. And I was going, I don't, I don't know what to do with that. Like, I'm, I'm what do you mean? There's exams not in school. And it started me on a journey to figure out like what what does it mean to learn or to have an exam or pass a test or do something in life that's not school. What I noticed for myself was that the learning for me didn't happen in school. I mean I had the moments, right? But most of the learning happened outside of school. I wasn't when I was taking a test or taking an exam or reading something in the classroom. It was when I was out there trying to do something trying to accomplish something. And that could be whether it was, you know, playing sports, wrestling, football, or track or whatever that was, whether it was dating, whether it was working in a job, you know, making aircraft furniture, did that for a while. Working on the farm, did that for a long while. Hauling trash, did that for a while. There's all kinds of learning that that comes along on those, in that space where there's all kinds of exams, like can you operate the packer on a trash truck, right? Real exams, like not like, where you get a fake test. Like there's no, what I noticed about school was you got a grade, right? And other than going to the little carnival where they give you ride tickets for the grades, they did that in Wichita where I grew up. So you could go to Joyland and for the, the shout out to those in Wichita, go to Joyland and they give you, for every A, they give you so many ride tickets. Other than that, the grades never had any value to me. And I never saw any place to transact with them. Now there's a space where when I got to, through college and went out into the world that grades did matter some, right? Cause I remember when we got our jobs and I looked at my grades and I looked at everybody else got hired on grades and their salaries were higher than my salaries for almost a year. And then my salary passed theirs up as we were going through. So what does that mean? The brilliance in exams, what is an exam? What is learning? Learning for, for me has turned into the space of being able to take care of a concern with the skills that you have. And I find that's really relevant in the world of running experiments, creating new stuff, trying things on and embodying those skills. Not I can memorize it the, the day before and then take the test. And then you go on and memorize something else and take the test. And yet there are many people I've met who were much more brilliant at that than I was. And yet I was able to hold on to it because what I noticed was, for me, it was all about how do I make it happen in real life versus school, which always occurred as like a false space of life, right? Like it's not, you know, you don't, you don't earn money there, except for professors do. Now, that for them, it's real life, right? For the administrators, for the, everybody in, inside the colleges, those, that's real life for them. But for the rest of us, it's a place to learn and, and to grow and to do that, but it's not real. It's created. Well, all the learning happens out in the real world for me. What shows up for you when I say that about school versus real world? So I absolutely agree. 
And to go back to my college professor, what he did for me is sort of knocked me into that. Because while we were in school, it had nothing to do about being in school. He expected you every day to go out into that real world because it was all application problems that he was doing, real world problems, figure out this for a bridge, figure out this for this, figure out this for this. But what he was, was an offer of help so that when you got stuck, which happened a lot, there was somebody I knew I could go to and he could help, right? To bring forth new ideas and new thinking and things that were going on for me where I needed that help. And that's what I carried with me to go into my career is that you try stuff. And a lot of times it doesn't go as you think it's going to go. <laughs> I wish it did, but it really doesn't. But then you need someone to help you. At least I do, right? I can't always figure that out on my own. It's like, well, I tried this. This is what I thought would happen. This didn't happen. So now what? What did I do? How can I change that? So to me, learning, yes, it's something that's my responsibility, something to go out and try things, but it's also the network and the people around you that can help you to see things differently because I can get stuck. So I guess that's an enabler to learning or a requirement for learning is to have that network of people to help me out. And that's what he really taught me more than anything. That's great. Thank you, Michelle. Our good friend, Monty Roberts, he has a saying, there's no such thing as teaching only learning. What do you suppose he means by that? Or what does that mean to you? So, so teaching. So I'm just going to work this with you. And so what pops into my head when I think about teaching is somebody telling me something, right? One and one is two. Is that teaching? Is that telling you? But that may not have any meaning to me. So I don't know how to apply that or work through it. And there's no application to it. So I learned best through doing. I think that's probably true for a lot of people. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know what teaching is, I guess is what I'm coming at. I, I'm not sure I can define that. I, I don't know. That's great. When Monty said that to me, I was, I, I just, a big smile came over my face, right? Cause I was going like, I get, I get that. Learning is creating a new, in the, in your brain, a new synapse, right? And there's only one source of that to happen. And that's me. Me, I create the new thinking. I create the new space. It's all in my head. I come up with a new idea, a new space that I can embody, a new task I can take care of, a new strategy I can implement. I create that, as does everybody else for themselves. And what Monty brought forth for me was that you can't force that to happen to anybody else. Teaching is, at best, creating a space for somebody to make something up. But if there's no learning... There's no teaching and you can't cause anybody else to learn. And I've tried this a lot unless they want to learn. And then it's up there doing the, the learning and I'm not really teaching. All I'm really doing is creating a space. Teaching to me had this space when I was growing up that, well, I'm going to cause you to learn something. And that, that just doesn't, it doesn't happen. It kind of kind of goes along with me with the, like it's a Chinese fable, when the student is ready, the teacher will arrive, right? So without the learning going on, there is no teacher. There's no teaching. Yeah. Anything new there? So that was helpful. Yeah. What, what appears for me is because you sat in a class to take a less something does not guarantee at the other end anything is produced. I produced anything, right? And boy, have I proven that a lot of times. 
<laughs> you know? So just because you sit in something doesn't mean you're going to be an expert at the end, whether it's trying to figure out how to do a pottery class. And the thing that that always comes to me, so I'm sure you've all heard, right? My my tennis experiences and learning. So I'll be there with my person I take lessons from the pro and he'll hit balls to me all the time and damn, I'm really good in a lesson. And then I go out and play and it's like, what just happened? <laughs> he doesn't hit the balls the same way. <laughs> they don't go to the same spot. People miss hit the ball. They do all sorts of crazy stuff. And boy, that's where the learning occurs, right? Because the, the world's not perfect. And so you're going to get a lot of different curveballs and a lot of different things happen. And part of the learning to me is also being able to adjust and see it and figure out new situations all the time. Thanks, Michelle. The next question I have for you is, we talked about it a little bit earlier. I want to touch base on the, the, the quote from Alice in Wonderland from the Red Queen. And you shared it, and I'd love you to share the story. But my question to you is, how is that relevant? Okay, so the quote, and by the way, my daughter reminded me of this one when we were talking about learning. So in Alice in Wonderland, such a simple book for those of you that have read it, but the Red Queen says to Alice, now here you see, it takes all the running you can do to keep in the same place. If you want to get somewhere else, you must run at least twice as fast as that. So I love that quote. And we used to talk a lot, so when I was in my corporate career, that you had to continuously learn to stay in the same place because technology was constantly changing, the world is constantly changing, and if you don't at least keep up with what's there, you fall behind. So it's a lifelong exercise, no matter what you're doing, to continuously learn just to stay where you are. So if you wanna learn a new skill, like tennis, it takes a heck of a lot of extra effort to just get going and to, to get to that new spot or a new technology that comes out or a new way of organizing, right? It takes a lot to do that and you have to want to do it. So it's continuous learning for me is actually part of my joy because I love learning new things. And I'm not sure I thought that would be the case when I first graduated college because I kind of like, thank God I'm done. But that was just the beginning. And actually it's even faster now than it's ever been. So that's what the quote means to me is you have to learn just to stay where you are. What is it about learning that makes you say, I love learning? So I love learning just because it's something new. It keeps my mind going, keeps me interested, new skills, to see new things, and to be able to participate in the world in the way that I would choose. I like to, and I don't like to fall behind, you know, to get stale. And I've seen that happen for some. You know, I live in a, in a 55 and older community, and I find most people work pretty hard to stay relevant, to stay up to date. And what happens to people that start to drop that, right? Just even from cognitive and abilities and things along the way. From a career perspective, it was required, right? If you wanted to continue to advance your career, you had to continue to understand the world and the marketplace and what was going on and technology. And everybody was in it together, which made it a lot of fun. So it allowed you to participate with the group and to move forward and to create and do new things that weren't done before. So I'd say a long answer, but yeah. No, no, it's a great answer. Thank you. Is there something that stands out like when you when you are doing just what you described and there's a space of like really like 
Wow. Well, one of the things that comes, there's probably a lot of things in there, was a lot of learning for me in, in more different spaces. One of them was one of the assignments that I had was to find ways to improve. So I worked in a pharmaceutical company, find ways to shorten the whole span. It's about a, a on a good product, seven years, right? Is there anything we can do to, to kind of take that time span down and look at it? So I started to actually map out the process with a group of folks and we crowdsourced it, which is a new way of doing it. So I actually talked to all the people and the different processes and, and what they were doing and focused mostly on the kind of the latter stages in the manufacturing area. And the big learning that we all came to together was, is that how it works? I know it sounds you know kind of simple, but we're all like, there is no way it could actually work that way because that would be silly. And we all went through and we talked to the people doing it and we're like, wow, okay, well, let's do something about that, right? And without seeing that, without working together and everybody wanting to learn and see and really figure out what it was, and we, you know, we had to work across divisions, which is not always the easiest thing, then we found a better way and cut, it doesn't sound like a lot, but we cut two weeks off one particular process in the pharmaceutical industry every day to market that you can get earlier is worth about a million dollars. So it's worth quite a bit. But without that and without learning and being open, that's the other piece, right? To do after you get over that, there is no way it works like that. And the most interesting part of that is the people that were most stubborn about it, no way it works like that, were the more senior folks, right? And it took a little bit to show them, it's like, no, it really does work this way. And then we, we changed it. And so I think that's one that made a really big difference for the company. And for all of us, a great accomplishment. Thank you, Michelle. Great story. How about for you? Like, I don't want to step over, by the way. I love to win. Like, it's just a space. I love to win. And have, like, for as long as I can remember, my parents have pointed out, no, very young, you were in, in the space of winning. And learning stuff enables us to win, but it, it's shifted in my life to where it's not just about, like, I win, but it's about the team winning. And producing a, a winning safe space for people requires everybody to be a part of it. And I distinctly remember the space of we were doing nuclear outages, refueling outages, which they take the reactor part, put new, new uranium fuel in, and we would take a part of turbine, everything inside there. So we weren't in the primary side, but secondary side. And somebody turned out to be a good friend, Brian Smith. He had done an outage in like 18 days. Normal was like 25 to 50. Right. And of course, we all said, you know, you cheated, right? Because that's what you do in some ways. That's a new record, right? And it was a space like, I, I, knew, I knew Brian. He was a brilliant guy. He did a great job. And my instinct was, you cheated, right? And when I had the opportunity, I could see there's a space to, to do the same thing. Like to take the outages to much shorter, actually shorter than the customer needed them, right? So then he had a cushion to do some stuff. And the learning was, like for me, is like, how do you do this? How, how, do you, how do you do this? Like there's all those things you have to do, like there's drawings and procedures and processes and there's all the rules and regulations to go through with that. And I didn't know how to do it, but I went back to how do we bring the team together and what can we learn? So we had a simple question, which was question everything, figure out anything that's going to take longer, and then really sit down and say like, how do we make this work? And the beautiful part was, all of the people that were doing this, brilliant people. Like it was a few people had a college degree. Most people had a high school 
but there were some GED people in there as well. And we're all working together, right, in, in this space, solving the problem as if everybody had the same vote in what we're doing, really working together, really learning. And what we found was when people were learning, they were lit up. You could see the curiosity, the fun, the making it a game and that challenge. And we set a target of 15 days, which was three days faster than Brian had done because we figured, well, at least if we're a day late, we'll, we'll still finish up in front of him. And we were setting out to really like set a new world record for the fastest time it ever happened. Customer was supportive. Everybody was supportive. At day 11, I called in to the project. This was one of many projects I was managing from the distance, right? And I said, so I always checked in to say, you know, and you could tell by not like what they said, but how they said it, that whether the job was going well or not. So I just listened to how they said what they said. And they were really quiet. And I go, everything okay? And they go, we don't know. I go, what do you mean? We're done. I go, what do you mean you're done? You're done. Like the pedestal, last pedestal cover is going on. It's going to be under 12 days. I go, you shaved three days off of the world record ever, best ever? Like never been done? Yeah. We really don't know what to do with it. Because we're, we're, we're all sitting here second guessing everything we could have done wrong that we didn't catch, right? And go, did you follow the procedures? Yep. Everything signed off? Oh, yes. <laughs> Many times over. Congratulations. And the, the fun of learning all of that, the fun, the excitement, the thrill that everybody had in that space because they were lit up by the learning. And they did something that they and me didn't think was possible. Now, here's the shift for the group. The next one was at nine days. So it went from 18 was the best, target 15, finished up under 12, and they did it at nine days. And it still sits in a world of that's the space to do that. They learned how to do that. And it's not a bunch of engineers or managers or everybody else who did that work. It was the people who, like everybody from the person who was sweeping the floor to cleaning the bolts to turning the nuts to welding to everything inside there, they all had a space to participate in it. And when they got done, it was their accomplishment. And that mechanic of figuring something out, I don't know if it's how it lights up your nervous system, like you're, you're firing things inside your body, you're releasing the endorphins, whatever that is, it's just fun. And I've spoken to people, because it's been 20 years ago, and I've spoken to people about those situations or anything, and they remember those things like they were yesterday because their nervous system was alive, triggered, in living in that space, and it really was a, a fun place to be. And that's, I use that for my own example of like why I think learning is so fun. Where when I went through school, learning was basically, yuck, learning, school, terrible. But the actual process of learning, the figuring out new things, creating those new things in your body, that's fun. Thanks, Ron. That's fantastic. Is it still the record? I'm just curious. Do you know? During that period of time, we set nine world records, which, you know, not every turbine is the same turbine. So there's some like go faster or different paces. And as far as I know, one of those is still set, but the rest of them have been broken. A lot of them by the same teams that were there when I was still a part of the program. That's great. I was just curious, right? It goes to that continuous learning. There's something always there and 
to go back to my, my pharmaceutical, the thing that surprised everybody is to find out what's going on. You know, you go into the manufacturing plants, the people that actually do it, literally turning the knobs. And guess what? They have brilliant ideas because they do it all day. And the guy's like, well, this is silly. I don't know why I do it, but it's on the process. It's like, well, okay, <laughs> we, we can do something about that. And it's freedom for them to realize that they can. And it's a great celebration when it's accomplished. Yeah, I will share. There was one example. When you, when you take the turbine apart, you shut it down, you take as found alignment. Like you, you break the couplings apart. Kind of technical here for some of you. But like we break the coupling apart and then you take the alignment readings between them. It takes 24 hours to take those because you got to roll every turbine and, and get the alignment. And so we, somebody had a question, actually one of the mill rights. Why are we, why do we do that? There's nothing wrong. If it, and if everything goes back within the same settings and stuff, we, we can you know, be, be done. So we ask engineering, why, why do you do that? <laughs> we, we never thought about that. Why do you do that? And he goes, well, we use that as a diagnostic tool for something wrong. What if the turbine's running just fine? Like there's no, there's no vibration issues, there's no balance issues, no anything like that. Well, we'd like to have it. Well, you, you'd like to have it or, you know, that's a million dollars. Today is a million dollars. Is it worth a million dollars to know that information? Eh, no. But what if we're putting in new turbines, like new turbines into it? Uh, then the, really the readings don't matter. Huh. We just got 24 hours time right there with everybody's permission, but we went through the process to do that. I think it was a craft labor supervisor that had the idea. I said, you know, we never, we, 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 he recorded the information for like 25 years and never did anything with it. And so those are the questions that were, were fun, but like we were learning from him. We didn't have that idea. Yeah. What I hear from that is the mood of curiosity to ask. I mean, not, not being a jerk about it. Like, why the hell are you doing this? Right. It was like, why? Because I assume there's something behind that. I'm really curious. I want to learn. Well, it says to do it on the drawing. <laughs> I know. So many times, right? You look at that. It's like, because the guy before me did it. That's another <laughs> pretty mm -hmm. common answer. Well, that's how we learn is we copy, we mimic, right? And then we don't know that we mimicked it. We don't know that we made it up from what we saw from somebody else. And we just accept that that's the way it is. Mm. So do you think about learning every day? Like how is it built into your daily activities? Thanks. Great question. I read every day. Like there's a couple different things I read and then there's a space to do that. And then I try to listen to something every day. And all of those are in the mode of what can I notice differently, right? And then there's also like, I've created a game out of watching a movie or watching a TV show. What can I learn? Like, what can I learn from this space? What can I figure out? What new puzzles is there? Can I create from this space? So it's, for me, it's like, and I, I could say, well, I'm just a, a nerdy guy and I want to learn all this stuff. It just lights me up. When I figure out something or learn something and knew something that is in the world or better yet, learn something I used to know that's not relevant anymore, not applicable anymore. I just go, oh, cool. Like, and it's, it's exciting, but I like to win. And I've turned it into a game with myself of what can I learn? And so it's always, it's always like, it's a background habit for me. What about you? Yeah. The game, the game piece, right? My daughter and I used to always have a game on every commercial we'd watch and say, what are they trying to get across? What's the message? Who's the target? Oh, not us, right? Why are they doing that? And at the end, I have no idea what they're talking about, right? But it's fun to kind of just, what did you notice, right? In a total space of curiosity. The same thing for me, right? Just walking down the street, 
I love watching. We have a lot of South Florida, right? So a lot of ducks and all sorts of things. I just love watching how they interact and and just learning about nature and all the things that are out there. And the other day I saw, you know, some birds along the shoreline and fish just outside the line of the lake by us. And the fish were pushing the little fish in and the big fish pushing the little fish in and the birds were pushing them out. And they both were cooperating and both got fed. But I just found it fascinating to learn that they can do that. Right. So it's everything that's in there. And and the same thing I read and I read, I work to read all sides of the story that I can find. Because again, it's curiosity just to see what's going on in all the pieces and not necessarily take a stand of one side or the other, but just how different the messages could be. And I find it fascinating, human nature and, and such. So I, I agree. It's, it's a great way to put it. I never thought about it. it. It's like a big game. Great. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you all for listening today. Please take a moment to subscribe to the story in your head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. Thank you all, and we'll see you next time.